may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The presence of God is in this place. We have been praying for this moment for so long. There are so many praying, even right now, as we have chapel today. Thank you for being here, and thank you, God, for being here. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, God, for being here. That we would love that way. That we would love each other that way. That we would love our LGBTQ students that way. Today's chapel is a response. It's an expression of response to the constant conversation that came into my office over the course of all of last year. Students asking me to please speak into this part of our community, to speak into the lives of students who identify with the LGBTQ community, to say something, to give God's word. And so that's what we're here to do today. Today's chapel is rated M for mature, okay? It's content sensitive. If at some point during chapel today, you need to leave, we're gonna let you determine that for yourself to take care of yourself if you need to do that. There are some of my staff out in the back foyer if you need to be with someone during this chapel, um, or if you just need to excuse yourself. Everyone in the room has permission to do that today. Today's response, we want to uh, listen to, learn from, and dialogue with our LGBTQ students and others who identify with or engage in ministry with the LGBTQ community. We have sent out to you a schedule of events, so it begins with chapel today, but there are many things lined up throughout the week ending on Sunday evening with a story circle with Tara Brooke Watkins. But please take the opportunity this week to engage at some point, to listen and to also dialogue, to pray with, to seek after God in this conversation. In the very end, what we want to provide is holistic care for our LGBTQ students. And so that's what we're talking about this week. We want to express that we value all people. We value all people who bear the image of God, and that is each one of us. We deeply long that each person would live under the sovereignty of God, regardless of our sexual orientation. We want to communicate that this week, too. We have a few resources. They're, right now, they're in the Office of Spiritual Development but three books, um, if when you leave today's chapel or the events of this week, you want to do something else. Um, Washed in Waiting is a book by Wesley Hill. That is in my office. Love is an Orientation. And then our speaker's book, Longing for Intimacy, uh, is also there as well. We, um, 
we have people on campus that you can turn to as resources as well. And so the Brickley Center, the Office of Spiritual Development, and our resident directors all want to be a resource to you for care and listening this week. One of my favorite quotes says, listening is so close to loving that most people cannot tell the difference. So today, let's listen to our sister, Amy Reardon. We're going to listen to her story. That is what we're going to do today. And I guess I would just ask that our response would be gracious, right? You may not agree with everything that Amy says. You may not understand everything that she says. But could we be a gracious community? Could we love through listening today? Amy is a stay-at-home mom, author, and speaker. She lives in the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, okay. Our one student from Pittsburgh. <laughs> But would you just welcome Amy as she comes to share with us her very intimate, very deep story about her intimacy with God. Oh, wow. There's more of you here than I realize. <laughs> oh, I'm the introvert, by the way. So, <laughs> um, Before I start, I just wanted to thank Lynn and everybody else who was involved in this that I don't know yet, um, just for having me here and trusting me with your, all of your hearts. Um, this is a very delicate subject, and I am very aware of that because I've gotten my toes stepped on a lot over the years, and my heart kind of pricked at. Um, so I'm sharing what I share today with that in mind. Um, So I just really, they're asking me, do you have anything to put up there? And I, I had thought about it, and I thought, I just really want to share from my heart to yours is really what I want to do, um, and just share a little bit of my story. Um, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area, as she mentioned, and I grew up in a really good home. I really am very fortunate in the fact that I don't have a whole lot of memories that are bad growing up, things I didn't like, but I had a good household. And um, my mom, I love going back to her house, but she's moving. So it's like all those memories are kind of going with her, which is sad. But um, we went to church. Um, growing up, I was raised Lutheran, and we... We went every single Sunday, like you're supposed to, but I didn't have a relationship with God. I really didn't know that I could. Um, I knew all the books of the Bible, you know, memorized all the order and just all of that, but I didn't know that I could have a relationship with him. No one ever really talked to me about that, that I can remember. I just thought it was all about um, wearing nice clothes. Thank you that I was allowed to wear jeans, by the way. That was one of my biggest questions. That's crazy, but oh, I am not one to dress up, but this is as dressy as I get. But um, 
it was all about what you look like and how you act and just everything on the outside, no emphasis on your heart. So my heart was a mess. I was the emotional one. I still am. Um, the emotional one in the house and everywhere. And that was not, um, my parents didn't know what to do with that because I feel all the highs and all the lows and I still do. But I just kind of shoved everything down. I still can do that if I'm not careful. But um, I just grew up shoving everything down that I didn't know how to express. I was the door slammer growing up. Now I have one of those. And Oh, I thought, is this what, <laughs> did I earn this? <laughs> and we have cheap doors at home because it didn't break, but they're so hollow. You can open it and almost, I could probably smash it if I, but anyhow, he's not going to have a door soon, so that's what happens. <laughs> but anyhow, um, when I was a senior in high school, um, I lost track of the time. Is there anything I can, oh, thank you. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to go on and on. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I was really caught off guard by a conversation that I heard from my parents. I was sitting in the living room, and there was never any fighting going on in my home, believe it or not. I never heard, still have never heard my parents fight. And I overheard my mom and dad saying that they were going to separate. And I was shocked, because back then, none of my friends, all their parents were together. I mean, it was so different than it is now. Um, and I didn't know what to do. Well, what I didn't realize was my dad would just stop talking to my mom for weeks. So that's why I never heard any fighting. There was no communication going on. But I was just really caught off guard, and my world was just really, really rocked. And I had a very good friend. Um, that I had been just getting to know that year. And she was the only friend I had whose parents were divorced. So I started talking to her about this. And we started getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Um, and I started having dreams about her. They were sexual dreams. And I had never, like I grew up boy crazy. Um, so this is really out of the ordinary for me. And I thought, what in the world? do I do with this? I'm not going to tell her. <laughs> She'll never talk to me again. And so months went by, and I never said anything to her, but I kept thinking about those dreams, and I eventually did say something to her, and um, just not really sure what she would do, run away or get angry with me. I just didn't know. Um, then I realized when I, when I told her all of this, she said, don't worry about it, I don't. And re realizing she felt the same way about me. And we ended up having a conversation. What, what do we do? Where are we going to go from here? We were both very logical people. <laughs> Let's sit down and talk about this. And um, we, I don't think she was a Christian. And really, I went to church, but I, looking back, would not have. God really, to me, was just roles, and like I said, what do you wear on church to church on Sunday? And actually, I wasn't going to church by that time, because I was 18, and when I hit that age, I didn't have to go anymore, so I didn't. Um, but we ended up getting into a relationship with each other, which changed everything. And she became my entire 
life, my, just my everything. I had always wanted, this is, you know, my story. I had always wanted to get married and have kids, and that was my only, the only thing I knew until I met her, and then all of that started to change because she was the first person who I felt really knew me and understood me in a way that nobody else did, and we formed such a deep, deep connection that I had always wanted um, but never found with anyone, and I didn't know what to do. Um, but long story short, her parents found out, and that was the end of that. She had just gone to college um, away. She went to New York, and they told her, um, if you continue this relationship, we're not going to pay for your college anymore. So that was the end of that, um, which destroyed me. I didn't know what to do. Um, she had become, become such an integral part of my life that I didn't know what to do. I loved her, and I'll still say that I did. I didn't know what to do. Um, so me being the way I am, well, let's just forget about that, pretend that never happened, and move on. So I started dating a boy, um, and then Boy, so many things. I don't have time. How, so there's certain things. It's like, how do you skip over that? It's so big. But he and I ended up getting married, which was not a good decision. And we got divorced. And there was just a lot of, he was a heroin addict, actually. And he ended up overdosing and dying. Um, this week is the anniversary of that. So it's kind of on my mind, which is probably why I brought it up. But um, so then again, I'm like, well, let's just move on like I always do. And um, right in that time is actually when I started going back to church after years because I needed to get my life together. You know how we do that. Like, I need to get my life together. Let's go to church. And um, I didn't realize. I ended up taking a class called Defending Your Faith. And because I was going to defend my faith actually to my previous husband, not realizing I didn't have a relationship with God. Like, I really didn't. I knew about him, but, um, and I ended up giving my life to Jesus then, which was huge for me. My life, knowing at that point that, that I don't have to rely on myself for everything. I can be very hard on myself. I still am. And realizing I can look to somebody else. So my life started changing dramatically. Um, I, am, I eventually met my husband, Kevin, and I think the second night that I knew him, I told him everything from my past that I could think of because I thought if I don't tell him now, I'm never going to tell. And we both just thought that's in the past because, you know, I shove everything down. Well, that only works for so long <laughs> because we got married. He's a Christian. I was a Christian. And I thought, this is perfect. Everything's fixed. Um, I ended up getting, well, like I said, we got, we got married. I got pregnant with my son. And I had a terrible postpartum depression, which is not my excuse. But during that time, I started looking at pornography, which I had done before in the past, but just never really... I don't know, stuck. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but um, this time I didn't know how to stop. And 
Every once in a while, I think, what am I doing telling all of these people <laughs> this? I'm the private person. <laughs> um, doesn't seem to be, but I didn't know who to tell. I did not know who to tell. What do I do? My husband and I, we were both leaders in our church. I was looking at lesbian porn. I didn't care to look at the other stuff. That was not an interest to me at all. And I got to the place where I was considering leaving him because I felt like I made a mistake. And just everything just bubbled up and just exploded all over the place. I eventually did, obviously, I told him, or I wouldn't be here um, telling all of you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I know I'm far away from Pittsburgh, but it's not that far. But he understandably was heartbroken, and that I was looking at other women was worse to him because he's like, how, how can I compete with that? Um, and I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. And I, I prayed and prayed. I, I thought, okay, God, I need to fix this because I'm a fixer too. I'm going to fix this. I did this. I'm going to fix it. I prayed harder, harder, and harder, fasted, did everything I knew. Wake up the next day, I feel exactly the same way. By then, because of the pornography, um, a lot of lust can come into the picture from that. So I saw, I wasn't just attracted to women because this, over the years, I realized it wasn't just my friend, it was other women. And then it's not just an attraction now, but it's lust, which is totally different. Like if it was, if I was talking about being attracted to men, there's a difference between being attracted to men and lusting after them. There's a big difference. And so I was just a big mess and just praying to God, please just take this all away. I would wake up the next day and feel exactly the same way. I felt like a failure. I felt like he hated me. I just felt like a failure just all around, and I didn't know. I couldn't talk to my friends. My friends didn't know any of this. I wasn't really too close with a whole lot of female friends anyhow. I was pretty much like, this is all the closer you're getting to me, because I was afraid to feel something I didn't want to feel, and if I did, I wrote them off and never told them why. Um, so it was really lonely to say the least. And finally, God started showing me two different things that I intended to get to much earlier than I did. So <laughs> um, that, first of all, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. Meaning, I thought I was seeking him first because I was praying every day, please take this away from me. Please, what do I need to do? do? How do I try harder? How do I fix this? But I didn't realize that's not seeking him first. That's seeking to get rid of all of what I perceived as my mess first. And he started showing me to put my focus on him and let him handle this. So I thought, okay, that was terrifying enough, but I thought, well, that's going to fix it. Um, and it didn't. <laughs> I woke up the next day and I felt exactly the same way for the longest time. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to live like this. Um, by this time, I started sharing with my friends because um, I started telling more people. And 
I don't know how many of you can relate to this or not, maybe even in different ways, but I remember sharing my testimony for the first time at church, which was terrifying because I know those people. <laughs> they know me. I can leave here and probably not see you again. I'm not going to know that you're rejecting me necessarily, but these are people who I was going to see every week. And after I shared what I did, there were some of the women my age coming up to me and hugging me. And I did not know what to do with that because it, to me, like I was wrapped up in shame. And I thought, how are they not afraid of me? Like that's how I felt. Like aren't you like afraid of me? And thank goodness I don't feel that way anymore. But that's a horrible feeling. And I am so thankful that they loved me that they just loved me and listened to me. When you mentioned listening, like, oh, my goodness. It's so important. Um, that's what's been most helpful to me over the years is someone just listening to me. Because when we talk to people, it's not always getting answers. I just want to be heard. Like, can you just listen to me? Those people, when we're dealing with these things or whatever kind of thing in our life that's so delicate, just having someone say, tell me your story, tell me what you're going through, and just listening and not trying to fix it. <laughs> um, the other thing God started showing me is that this deep longing that I had was really for intimacy with him. I had thought, I'm only going to find this in a woman, because I had only found it in a woman before. I never found it really in a, in a man, in a guy. Even my husband, to me, they weren't to be trusted. I was never abused or anything like that, but I just emotionally, guys are too different. And they are still very different. <laughs> but to me, that's the only place I was going to find that. And God started showing me, no, you can only find that with me. And I didn't understand that because I thought intimacy and sex were the exact same thing. Like, how can God fill this place in me that I feel like is a sexual thing? And he started showing me that's not really what I'm needing. Um, it was him and learning how to be transparent with him. And that's one thing this morning that I wanted to encourage you to do. Whether you deal with this or not, wherever you are on the scope of anything, um, to learn how to be transparent with God and to share. I grew up not knowing that I could tell him things, thinking he only wants to hear from me when I get it together. Well, we know that's not going to happen, or we'd all be perfect by now. But I started to learn that I could go to him, God, please help me. I'm tempted to look at porn. Um, I can't, can't stop thinking about this other woman. You know, all of these things. When I started learning that I could go to him and he was not mad at me, he wasn't pointing his finger at me, wanting me to change myself, or that I was doing something wrong, that shame that I felt started just falling off of me little by little by little. Um, and I'm still there. Um, there are still women that I'm attracted to, but it's not... It's not like it used to be, and let me explain that. Um, that lust that was there from the pornography, like now, if there's a certain woman, the difference for me now 
there's a woman that I'm attracted to. I can look at her and say, God, help me to see her like you do. And not shame myself, beat myself over the head, condemn myself, do any of that, and move on. When before, I would have seen that same woman and started thinking, well, if I wasn't a Christian or if I wasn't married, then I'd be doing this with her. You know, there's a big difference. Um, And the other aspect of just when I feel that deep need for connection, um, because marriage did not fix this. It actually made it worse. (laughs) Um, And that's not why I got married. Thank goodness. But... My husband, Kevin, does not fill that place in me. He can't. And I wanted him to fill that place in me. He can't. I don't feel that in him. And when I feel that, feel that deep, deep need for connection, because we are, we are polar opposites. He would be up here just having a grand old time. And I'm, like, nervous. And <laughs> we're so completely different. And sometimes... It's so easy for me to think, I'd rather be someone who, with someone who is like me. Because I would, it'd be a whole lot easier. Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier? And so that always takes me back to this again, like, what if I was with another woman instead? Um, and that still happens to me. If I, let, if I go down that rabbit trail, I can. I need to be faithful to my marriage and to know and remember what God spoke to me. That applies to all of us, no matter you're a Christian or not a Christian, um, man, woman, LGBTQ, not, (laughs) anything in between. Um, He's the only one that can fill that place in us. Um, That can be really hard to believe. (laughs) I used to hear that, you know, God, you know, the whole, the God-shaped hole in your heart, you know, all of that, and I thought, that sounds like a picture that goes up on the wall. That sounds very shallow. Um, it's not shallow to me anymore. Um, and I just wanted to read one scripture that to me just shows me and has reminded me that he is our sustenance. He is my sustenance, and he can be your sustenance. That's, like, hard to say when you need a drink of water. <laughs> Hold on a second. Um, <laughs> he is my sustenance. That doesn't mean that I don't need anybody else in my life. I do. We all do. We need that community. And I'm so, that's why I said to Lynn, it's so nice to to feel that community here or the the, knowing the importance of it. Um, We need to be able to talk about these things. It's such a delicate, delicate topic. But I know every time I've, not every time, but almost every time I've heard LGBTQ same-sex attraction, whichever way you want to word it. Um, Every time I hear that mentioned in a church, it's always about out there, those people. Um, My heart, every time I hear that, my heart just breaks because I know we're not talking about people out there. There's people in here. And I know that for myself, and every time I hear that, um, I just want to jump jump out of my skin. And with the porn, um, I get so many emails from women who are your age who go to Christian colleges. (laughs) Why would that be? Well, besides my testimony, 
um, it's such a shameful thing to talk about. And when you go to a Christian college, who do you tell? Who in the world do you tell? But if that's something that you deal with, guys too, but I think women, we can still feel like we're the only one. If that's something you deal with, you are not the only one. You are by far, and you're not the only one in here. I know there's, I mean, it'd be great if there is none of you in here, but I, I would be very, very surprised. Um, I wasn't even, I didn't get a computer till I was like 24, so it was a totally different thing for me. <laughs> but anyhow, this scripture, um, Psalm 63, 1 through 8. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. When I read this, think, this is a way, this is what we can really have with God. Maybe you're in a place where you just don't care. Like, that doesn't really sound appealing. Um, but I want to read this to you. Oh, God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So I want to encourage you, if this is something that's very near and dear to your heart, because this is your experience, I want to encourage you, God loves you, and this, even, I don't know if you've told, if everybody in the world knows or nobody knows. This obviously isn't something you can make go away or it would be gone. The, I'm, everyone I hear from did the same thing I did. Try and make it go away. But God, with his grace, is able to meet us where we are and to help us. Those of you who are, I was not intending to say this, but those of you who are celibate, LGBTQ, oh, there's the water again, I need. Celibate, I honor your decision in doing this. There's so many women that I talk to who are going through this. It can be lonely if you don't have a network of people around you and then your friends are getting married and I totally understand all of that. And I just encourage you to lean on Jesus more and more and more. And he, some of the people that I have met that have had the deepest, deepest, deepest intimacy with God are LGBTQ people who are leaning on him because if they don't, where else do they have to go? You can have a deeper relationship with him than people who don't know at all what it's like to deal with anything like this. So I hope my words came across. <laughs> well, I love you guys. Um, I don't know you, but I've been praying for this for a very long time. And... Um, God loves you right where you are. He wants you to surrender your sexuality to him, no matter what it looks like. Straight, everybody, 
It doesn't mean it's going to change, but he will give us the grace to walk with him in that. And it's there. It's there. Um, so I just wanted to pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that just everybody here, Lord God, who, who is dealing with this, Lord God, I just pray that you provide safe people in their lives for them to talk to, that you surround them with a community of people, and I thank you that this is a college that is, is willing to do that and open to doing that, Lord God, and I thank you, Lord God, for that, because that's the way it should be. It's so difficult, but Lord God, I thank you that you're providing a place for people to be real and to be honest, Lord God, and not to be fixed, as, as most of us would say, to be fixed, Lord God, but just for, to invite your love into the situation, Lord God, to know your love and to build community around each other, Lord God. We all deal, deal with so many things, Lord God, that, that we don't even talk about with certain people, or maybe we've been really, really hurt, Lord God. I just, I just pray. Lord God, for everyone here, that they just have a revelation of intimacy with you, what that looks like, how to have that, Lord God. Maybe that sounds like a fairy tale and not real. Lord God, show us all, show me as well, how to have that even deeper with you, because we need it no matter, no matter what in our lives, Lord God. And I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amy, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. And Lynn, thank you for the reminder that listening is love. We know that this is a challenging conversation for many of us in many different ways. And we know that the conversation shouldn't be one-sided. We want to hear from you. I have been honored to be a part of some conversations and prayers that led to this week. And I first want to say to everyone in this room that you are dearly, fiercely loved. By many wonderful people who have nothing but love and God's will at their heart that led to this week. So I want to thank you as well for your leadership on this campus. Because we know that we need to have these conversations and hear from you, I'm here to specifically announce what's happening for the rest of the week. Today, during lunch in the President's Dining Room, Amy will be running a Q&A session. So if you want to hear more from her, talk to her, ask her questions, she will be on hand during that time. Tomorrow, Thursday, uh, in Angel 23, Amy will also be available to meet with anyone one-on-one. -on -one. You can make an appointment or you can just drop in. But she will be there to talk with you, hear from you, pray with you, 
So if you would like to talk with her more, Amy will be available one-on-one tomorrow uh, in Angel 23. Tomorrow evening, between 5 and 7, we would like to hear from you, students, faculty, staff. So we're going to be running a community forum where we'll be holding some small group discussions. This will be in Canterbury. It is from 5 to 7. We understand the significance of that time, so we will give you dinner. If you are a faculty or staff member, you don't get dinner. That's just for students. <laughs> we want to hear the questions that you have, though. Uh, we, I know, I'm sorry. I, maybe this is not a good time to make a joke, but, um, but it's also the truth, so I can't. We want to hear questions from you. We want to make sure that, that we know how to guide that conversation um, ahead of time. So we are asking that if you have questions or comments that you submit them through the SGA app. And there is the picture of it. If you haven't downloaded that app, please do so. Those questions will be submitted anonymously, so we won't even know who you are. Everyone will be safe and guarded in that time. And again, that's tomorrow evening from 5 to 7 in Canterbury, and it's really geared towards hearing from you and letting you talk through uh, what you uh, are processing during this week. Uh, chapel this Friday will be a continuation of this conversation. This will be a panel discussion led by General Superintendent Emeritus Dr. Jesse Mittendorf. The panelists will include Andy and Sarah McGee, who are the co-directors of the ministry love wins and Amy will be back as well with us on Friday to be a part of that panel and then finally uh, on Sunday evening um, the theater for social justice program will be hosting a story circle that actually happens every other Sunday night I know many of you have been a part of it so if you're not sure what that is um, come see me but that's really just a time to share stories and listen to others and and what they're experiencing um, so we hope to see all of you in, in all of those conversations. Thanks, Tara. Uh, friends, I stand here uh, this morning wishing my type was bigger because I'm getting older. Uh, no, but I'm here today to address some myths that seem to be circulating in our community related to sexual identity and the student code of conduct. Yeah, you can take a seat. Um, it won't take that long, I promise. Um, but I want you to know no person would be dismissed from the college based on their sexual identity. In fact, dismissal in general is only used in a disciplinary action in rare conduct cases where a student poses a threat to the health and well-being of other students. There are myths circulating about that, and that is just simply not the case. It has not been the practice of ENC in any of our collective memory to recommend reparative therapy, a therapeutic practice that has been widely regarded as harmful and unethical. We don't recommend that, nor have we, to any student related to their sexual identity. The priority of student development is captured in the name to encourage each student in their holistic development so that they can thrive as learners and leaders within a, a caring, Christ-centered community. The conversations that we will have this week will likely not be easy, but we have the capacity to listen, to engage in civil discourse, 
and to demonstrate value and respect to every member of our community. Let us be diligent to demonstrate thoughtful maturity and Christ-like care, not only in these days, but perhaps in all of our days. Would you please rise for the benediction? In the words of our Lord, the God of all things, who knows you deeply and loves you completely, in his words to the faithful upon his ascension to heaven, we pray as a blessing over our community, as an invocation of the Holy Spirit. My peace, I leave you. My peace, I give unto you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be dismayed. Christ be with you. Join me in the doxology. Praise Peace.